G'day. How the bloody hell are ya? How the bloody hell are ya? Uh, Average Man here, episode number 162. Closed eyes coming at you hot on a Sunday afternoon. Mate, I'm fresh from the UFC. Mm, sat down and watched the UFC, watched a few fights with my wife actually for the second week in a row, which has been quite pleasant because she hasn't watched it with me for years and she's starting to watch a couple of fights again lately, so... It's, um, it's good to, to share the excitement with someone a little bit. Um, yeah, we just finished yeah, Grasso versus Shevchenko title fight for the female strawweight. Strawweight? Yeah. For the female strawweight. Um, no, not strawweight. The one up from that. Not feather? Maybe it is. No, it's not feather. Bantamweight. Female bantamweight title. Um, which was cool, man. It was a rematch. So Shevchenko, the Russian bird, she lost her belt to – she's like the long-time champ. She lost her belt to Grasso, the Mexican bird, in March this year, and they just rematched and went, went full five rounds. Hectic, hectic back-and-forth battle. Uh, really tight, really tight. I had Shevchenko winning, um, and then the, the judges scored a, a, a draw, a split draw. Um, so the 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 champ, who's the one that just won the belt earlier in the year, off the long time champ, she keeps the belt, and they'll probably have to fight again. And there was one really bad scorecard that that actually ended up giving the draw. So it should have gone to Shevchenko. One judge gave one round a ten eight, which like a ten eight's a big big round. Like if you get a ten eight, especially in a championship fight, it means you completely dominated that whole round. That. Ain't what happened at all, and uh, he gave a ten round to one one of these rounds for the for the champ Grasso, which made the the, the majority draw. So basically, if he'd, he'd have given her that round as a ten nine, like it should have been, then Shevchenko would have got the belt, and yeah, she'd be the new champ again. So a bit of a not quite a robbery, but definitely a bad decision there that, that should have gone a different way. And I think we'll see those two girls fight again early next year. Um, also had Jack Della Maddalena, the Perth cat, the Perth boy, who's still undefeated in the UFC, fighting his biggest fight, biggest challenge to date, which is Kevin Holland, top 15 ranked opponent who's, who's fought and beat some really good guys. Um, he looks really good, really sharp, uh, big name in the sport, and it was a good hard fought three-round fight. Um, Jack Della Maddalena got the nod. Della Maddalena got the nod from the judges. Some people didn't like it that way, but you know the crowd were very, very vocal. He he definitely won the fight. It was definitely a good close fight, but he he definitely won. So he's he's sort of making some some moves and some noise over there at, at welterweight. He's definitely got some improvement to go before he gets to the title. Um, but these are the kind of fights he needs to have to see where the holes are and where they need to improve um, so he can keep moving forward. So that's pretty exciting, having a Perth boy who's really starting to do the damn thing um, over there at um, in uh, welterweight in the UFC. It's bloody cool. Uh, what else, man? There's a few other good fights on the card. I watched the whole thing, but nothing really um, worth, worth speaking of, I don't think. Um, last week... Last week I didn't do a podcast because I was hungover as all buggery because I turned uh, 40, the big 4-0 on the 6th of September. So I had a great, great night. I had a great weekend. I actually had a great night on the Wednesday, which was the actual birthday. Turned 40. Went down. I can hear my son squawking in the background. Hold on. All right. 
I've sorted that out. He's going out. He's in there squawking. I'm inside today. I'm inside because the van's too hot now. Like, um, it's sort of we get up to high thirties again for our for, during the day now. And some sort of summer's coming, and that van, like, while I can cool it down and hang out in there, the aircon is so loud, so I can't turn the aircon off, and it's just like <sighs> too too loud in the background. So back inside, and I can hear the bloody people going about their business in the background there. These are our thin walls in this house. But had a great bloody night. Went out on the Wednesday night on the actual 40th to um, the Heady for dinner with just um, the kids and, and Ems, the wife. Had a really good night and they gave me my presents that afternoon and went down to the to the Heady, had a you know, a couple of pizzas and some beers and that was oh, – I think I had the steak. That was cool. And then went back down on the Saturday night with some mates and had a, had a bunch of drinks down there on the Saturday night, a few friends, and came back to our house afterwards and, and kicked on – uh, around the fire pit till one one thirty in the morning, something like that. You would have seen a photo of me up on the Instagram page. I definitely fell asleep earlier in the evening, but I came back and saw out the evening through till, till one a.m. or whatever it was. Um, so I had a really good bloody time, eh? Which was um was good. And then now that's done and dusted. The fortieth, you know, it's been like in my head looming for a couple of years. This whole the fortieth, the forties coming. I'm going to turn forty and. Like I use it as a as a motivator, I I um, set myself some some fitness goals to be in the best shape I've been in in my life by the time I hit forty, which I hit, which was awesome to to hit that goal. And now I'm glad to kind of have it in the revision mirror, you know. Um, I'm just whatever. I'm forty now. I can stop thinking about it. it. Is what it is. Bloody forty. Um, I'm healthy. I'm in good shape. So I don't really need to worry about the the ramifications of it anymore. It is what it is. The life keeps moving forward the clock ticks over and it's just something that i need to deal with in the background while while life moves forward uh the wife's birthday is up next that's in a few days so i'll concentrate on that for now she's not nearly as old as me she's turning 35 and i like the old saying you're only as old as the woman you're feeling i'll um i'll run with that so you can classify me as 35 thanks thanks for coming um yeah it's a good good week outside of that as well um Work-wise and general life and whatever, uh, I went to the an open an open night at the the kids' school on Thursday night, which was you know interesting. That my daughter's room was really good. She, we got to see what what she's been up to, and and you know she was really happy and excited to show us what was going on. That was cool, and you know all the general things you see in, a, in an open night, which is to be expected. And then there was my boys' room, and and that was a bit troubling because. Um, he's had a rough term this year All the kids in that class have So at the start of this year He had a teacher who I was really excited about Because I knew who she was I knew she was a great teacher And I was really hoping that when he got to year three He would get this teacher um, And he did And I was stoked about that, right? And his first semester at school was really good just was all good news, real positive attitude. He was learning. We didn't hear anything negative about school. It was just it was going well. You know, I was like, sweet, this teacher's awesome. And then the school decided to pull her out of that class and put her in like with the special needs kids, not special needs like as in learning disabilities, but like the naughty kids essentially. To put them in the naughty kids class because she's really good with those types of kids. So they took her out of the class middle of the year, put her in this other class with like five or ten kids and – and she's looking after these naughty kids, and they put a first-year grad in her place to take over in the middle of the year in a year three class with a heap of 
strong-willed boys in the class and it's just been a bloody train wreck ever since. Like there's been fights in the class. Shade's been in two fights in his class. Some kids punched him in the face twice this year. We've had to start doing some like boxing at home for him to start getting his confidence back up as well, not to let kids bully him and push him around. There's other kids bullying him. The teacher does nothing about it. There's this other kid that distracts the class consistently every single day. The teacher does nothing about it. I've been in to see the teacher. We've been in to see the administration. Other parents have been in to see the administration. There's, like I said, fights in the classroom, like full punch-ups and shit, and it's all just kicked off, man. And this teacher, this poor chick who they've thrown in the deep end, she's not. Like she's, you know, they say you could, sometimes you need to get thrown in the deep end and it's sink or swim. Well, she's, she's she's sinking. She is sinking and there's no support there for her and she's only young. She doesn't know what the fuck she's doing and then they've really done her a disservice and then done our kids a disservice because they're all going downhill. They're not learning properly. There's not a good environment. The kids, like the boy hates school. Like it was like on a dime, just like bang, first week back of term three and he I hate school, I don't want to go anymore and he's like that every day, I just hate it, I hate it, I hate it dad, there's this kid, there's that kid, there's a bully or a teacher picks on me, there's this, it's just kicking off, it's just a bloody train wreck and we went to the open night and walked into the room man and there was just nothing in there, there was a paper mache slash cardboard model, four of, in the middle of the classroom on four different tables that the kids had teamed up and built and that was it. There was no context to what the project was. There was no drawings, of projects, writing, shit like that on the walls around the classroom. It was very bare. And you look at all the other classrooms, there's shit everywhere. The teacher didn't explain anything to us. There was no feedback. There was just, there was nothing. There was a fucking paper mache model my son had worked on sitting on a fucking table. And that was it. It was like, sick. This is fucking going really well, clearly. And yeah, man, I just think it's fucked. Our kids are suffering. She's she's got the raw end of the stick. I'm don't we don't blame her. She's a young girl who's fucking trying to learn the the trade, and they've thrown her in the deep end without a fucking float and without support. And we went and saw the admin, and they're like, "We'll be in the class every day supporting her. We know that she's struggling. We know there's these issues. We know this. We know that." That was two weeks ago, and I spoke to the kids, and the teacher hasn't been in that classroom fucking once since that conversation. It's just. They're fumbling, they're dropping the ball at our kids' expense. So that was pretty fucked, pretty sort of... It's a piss-off, to be honest, mate. So that's kind of, you know, where we're at with that. But anyway, what do you do, man? What do you do? We'll do our best, and we've raised our concerns multiple times, and it looks like they're not going to change anything. So I guess we just got to ride it out for the year. And hopefully, you know, the kids don't get too far behind. I know his confidence is going downhill, which is kind of sucks, but, yeah, I guess that's part of life, mate. Um, what else? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure last Sunday when I was hungover, um, I think it was last Sunday, last weekend there was like a <laughs> there was like a BHP family open day, and like all BHP workers were invited to take their families out on site, and I saw a bunch of people posting about it on social media and, and whatnot, people that I know around town, and like I'm sorry if you're one of those people when you went and all that. But, you know, just my opinion on the, sub- on the subject, I saw that and I was just like, yuck, that is fucking creepy. It makes my skin crawl, man. It really does. BHP, this big fucking faceless fucking multi-billion dollar conglomerate fucking mining company that doesn't give a fuck about people 
and the impact it has on their lives past its fucking PR face value bullshit invites you and your family to come on site you teach the kids about the opportunities they, they can have in fucking a town like Port Hedland. They can fucking work in the mining industry too. And it's just like, fuck me, man. That that is it not enough for this company that they want to control every single move that you make, every thought you have, every fucking thing that comes out of your mouth while you're on their fucking sites. They want to control what you do with your body outside of fucking work. That's why they're drug testing you as well. They want to they want to control Every aspect of your life, that's why there's so many partners that work there as well because, you know, if you can get two people to work at the fucking company, it's more likely you're going to get compliance and keep long-term fucking employees and then, you know, better for the bottom dollar. And now they want you to bring your kids on site and fucking indoctrinate them into the fucking BHP mentality at a young age so they'll be so much more malleable and fucking receptive to the fucking brainwashing of the fucking evil tyrannical fucking mining fucking company when they finally get of age to get a job it's just like makes my skin crawl man we don't just want you we want your soul and we want your kids too so fucking creepy man and I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that one, but hey, you do you, and I'll do you, and my kids ain't fucking stepping foot on a fucking mine site to go fucking see where they can do what they can do with their life and fucking what career they can choose in mining. You guys can work fucking 12-hour days, fucking shift work when you get out of high school too. This is what you can aspire to. You can fucking fly in, fly out, fucking work and fucking switch your brain off and, and adhere to a fucking, to a strict set of fucking completely illogical, indoctrinated fucking set of values and rules and and dedicate your life to our fucking company too. Fucking beautiful. Let's get you while you're fucking young. Mate, the fucking idea of everything I do with my life is to give my kids the foot up to do something a little bit better than me. Like, that's the idea, right? Like, Hopefully we do a little bit better than our parents did because we had a bit of a better starting block. Hopefully my kids do a little bit of a little bit better than than I did because they had a little bit of a better better starting block than I had, and and so forth and so on. And and hopefully sometimes you can even leapfrog a couple of levels with your kids, and they can do fucking far better. And you know their next generations fucking several steps ahead of where where you were and where you started from. I don't want to fucking hook a fucking ball and chain to their ankle and go, if you're a fucking really good fucking kid and you, you watch your P's and Q's, you could work a fucking mining job like me when you're older too. You could sell your soul to the fucking devil also. Like, get your fucking greasy little mitts off my kids, man. Fuck me. Fuck them. Creep me out, eh? Fucking really did. Um, That's an opinion that won't be well received in this town. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. I'm not judging you, mate. I'm fucking not judging people that do it. I, I understand that I am an outsider in this town in that respect. I understand that I have a completely different, uh, you know, theory and philosophy and dream and hopes for my life and the direction I want to go in. And I understand that I've made compromises and have, like, you know, sold a little bit of my soul to the devil to, to be where I am and to make money now in my life so i'm a hypocrite you know hell hell i'm a fucking hypocrite i'm living here too i'm in here into the same set of not that i work at that company but we do contract for them so hey i'm a fucking hypocrite too man so don't read too much into it but 
you ain't getting any greasy little mitts on my fucking kids. I give you that fucking, give you the tip. You're not sticking them in, sticking them with some dirty fucking unknown vaccination. You're not fucking getting your little mitts in and pulling them into the fucking mining industry either. I fucking tell you that right now. But again, that's just me. You do you. And um, no judgment here, mate. That's just, it, it makes my skin crawl when I think about my family. Um, yeah, fucking weird. Creep me out. Um, what else, man? I've been rage while I'm while I'm raging. I might as well roll straight to the next one. I've been rage watching the Wheel of Time for the last whatever it is, three or four weeks since it came out. You guys know I've been boosting on about this for months and months because it was like two years since the first season came out. This is this book, The Wheel of Time, which is basically the greatest fantasy story ever written. So widely considered by fantasy book lovers, um, they would say that. Robert Jordan, who wrote The Wheel of Time, mastered the world and the realm and the concepts that J.R. Tolkien of The Lord of the Rings created. So J.R. Tolkien created this concept and this world and this genre, essentially. You know, he sort of grandfathered it and Robert Jordan mastered it, you know. And, and J.R. Tolkien's a great writer. That his stories were great as well. But what Robert Jordan did in the in the genre was, was, was fucking amazing. And that's pretty widely considered by fantasy um, enthusiasts, right? This is the guy. So anyone who watched Game of Thrones, which is pretty much everybody, for a bit of context, that was a great show. I know I loved it, but I didn't, haven't even read those books. But in the genre, in the space, it's fairly well um, – it, it, it's, it, it's sort of um, considered by most people that um, – what's the cat's name? I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, the author for for Game of Thrones, whose name I'm blanking on, it's pretty well widely considered that, that they actually weren't. That wasn't a great book. That was never one of the, the one of the top fantasy books. Like so, the fact that they made such a great TV show out of it and it translated really well is a is, is a real credit to um, the writers and the showrunners and you know the actors and the producers and, and everyone. Like because that was a masterpiece. It was done really well. Fucked that up a little bit the last couple of seasons. Most people would kind of agree with that, but it was it was an epic. It was brilliant and it was like a game changer as far as TV shows and that go right. Um, but that wasn't a great book. It was never a super impressive book. It was kind of – it wasn't even finished. The books weren't even finished when they started the TV show. So the, 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 the consensus is kind of that you kind of rushed the last couple of books, I think, and and that the, the TV writers had a lot to do with the plot for the last two seasons, which is why it went, kind of went off target a little bit. And also some people said he was kind of maybe a little bit lazy as well, the writer, like he really didn't put the kind of work in that some guys like Robert Jordan put into his his series. So I think it's like a six or seven book series, the Game of Thrones, could be off on that. But The Wheel of Time was 11 main books, um, 12, 12 main books and then a, a prequel. And um, Robert Jordan actually died before he finished the series so he died and there was supposed to be one final book left and he was it was like an unexpected heart attack he was only in his 50s so he had a heart attack and died and never finished this story and we'd been reading these books so he died in like i don't know maybe 2010 and he'd started these books in like 1993 something like that so it had been going for a long time. So people who were following it had been following him for 20 years nearly. And they were like invested in this fucking story, the greatest fantasy epic ever written, ever told, right? And the guy was a genius and a mastermind. 
and then he fucking dies and it's not finished. And it's like, what the fuck? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? We can't be left hanging. So his wife, so, you know, the, 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 um, the editors, the, the, you know, the publishing company and the editors obviously want to cash in on their investment and finish the finish the series off so they've approached the the wife and and they've and made a business proposal and she's approached some writers who are well respected by robert jordan brandon sanderson being one of them and they've agreed to essentially finish the series based on robert jordan's notes so i think it was brandon sanderson who ended up finishing finishing the series on robert jordan's notes he said no way i can finish this in one book ended up being three books to finish the series and while there was a noticeable change in the writing style and certain plot points and things dropped off and changed and it wasn't exactly as Robert Jordan would have written it because it wasn't Robert Jordan he did a he did a, a fucking really good job of it you know he did really well did a really good job of, of a huge task with a lot of eyes on it a lot of expectation finishing a book um that it was a real favorite for people for you know nearly two decades you know, by this time he started writing it probably was two decades um, did a really good job of finishing that off, you know what I mean? And, um, and, and once that was finished, um, obviously Game of Thrones came out and then, and then they start talking about the show, we're going to make the show, we're going to make the show. And, and fantasy fans were so fucking excited, especially after Game of Thrones. It's like, holy shit, they're going to do it. one of the best fucking fantasy story ever written. How epic is it going to be? And then... They get the green light for the show. Amazon have produced it, and they get this showrunner. And I saw red flags pretty early on. When you see the guy that's showrunning it, and some of the views he has, and then they start casting actors. And I don't actually have a problem with any of the actors to date. They're doing a like a serviceable job, but it was very obvious early on that they were choosing a specific direction and going in that in that direction and what they were doing was deliberately casting diverse characters for roles that were like one of the lead characters who's like a warrior big tall six foot four kind of guy broad shoulders blue eyes blonde hair they cast an asian guy as him okay all the main characters they cast by one of them as black and they they never were um like and they did this to all the characters. They, so they 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 ethnicized all of the characters that they possibly could. And I'm like, okay, if it makes sense, it makes sense. Um, but are you just doing it because they were the best actors, and then that's how the it worked out, or did you set out to be a woke motherfucker and putting your ideology ideologies into this fucking story and deliberately diversely cast it? Because that shits me. I don't give a fuck about your politics. I don't give a fuck about your diverse fucking criteria. Read the books, adapt it to the screen, and fucking find the best people to play these parts. We give them the benefit of the doubt and thought, surely that's what they're doing. And mostly they have. To be fair, mostly they have. But there's been some real big cock-ups. And this is just one of my gripes, okay? First gripe. So one of the real big cock-ups is there's these people – I'm going to go too far into I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit here, but I've got to give you a bit of background. There's these guys called the Waters, and they basically are assigned to – or bonded to uh, a female, essentially like a sorcerer. They call them Aes Sedai, but she can use magic, right? And they are like bonded to her through the magic and they are the sword that 
fucking, you know, sometimes you just need to slice cunts up with a knife or a fucking sword instead of using magic. And that's what they do. She can have one, two, three, four, five waters, whatever. They kind of get a little bit of extra energy and life from her and live a bit longer and enhance their abilities a little bit. And they're like super, super swordsmen. They are the elites. You've got your armies and your warriors and your mercenaries and then the waters. And the waters are like the elite of the elite. They're like the Marines. They're like the SAS, right? They are the top dogs of, you know, of, they, they are exceptional in a room full of exceptional men. Put it that way. And one such man, the top dog of the top dogs, the top fucking water, publicly known by all, is this guy Lan, who was meant to be this big six foot four, blonde hair, blue eyed, fucking square jawed, stony faced, quite often referred to as stony faced Lan. Top Dog Water that cast this Asian cat to play him and I was like okay well that's not what I had in my head but hey makes sense right samurai warriors and shit I can imagine a stoic like warrior Asian warrior type dude fucking hair long hair tied up fucking like wearing like a robe top thing like just real stoic and stony faced just slicing cunts up I was like okay I can get into this man if this dude knows what he's doing we can I can fuck with that. I'll suspend what I had in my mind and I'll go along with you. Well, it turns out, not only have they turned land, but they've turned all the waters into complete bitches, right? These guys are airing their feelings out and they're fucking moaning and they're laughing and they're like jovial and they're just like... They essentially turn them into a bunch of fucking bitches. They've made heaps of them gay or bisexual for their own fucking reasons. Um, I don't give a fuck about them being gay or bisexual, but they've made them like campy type gays, like, hey, real giggly and real touchy-feely with each other. It's like, no, fucking no. What this is is... The fucking showrunners and the people who got in control are a bunch of woke fucking bitches, right? And they can't help but keep their grotty little woke fingers off the storyline, right? These guys are, as I said, the elite of the elite. Think SAS, think Marines, think the toughest of the tough, right? But these fucking little pussy-ass fucking woke fucking guys and girls can't, because they don't understand strength, they think of masculinity as toxic masculinity and any kind of masculinity as being bad, they couldn't in their little heads fathom the idea of, of, of healthy masculine strength. So they've stripped those guys of any masculinity and made them their version of strong. So they're these warriors who can fight, they're elite with the sword and blah, blah, blah. But they're lovey-dovey and feely and joke around and they cry when someone dies. And it's like, no, fuck you. The problem is you don't understand strength. So you've created your own version of strength that has no reference point in the real world. So none of us believe it. So now you've got these waters running around who are supposed to be the biggest fucking badasses out. And they're a bunch of fucking... Pussies, and it doesn't sell. You got Lan, who spent a whole episode moaning about the fact that his eyes to die said he wasn't her equal, and he's, he's dragging his feet around and he's sulking, and he's one of the waters die, and he's like crying and beating his chest. I'm like, no, this dude literally has a saying in the books where he says, when something tragic happens, stone face, he will say, someone dies, and he'll say, mm, Judy. Is heavy as a mountain, death, lighter as lighter than a feather. Which means, hey, you gotta do your job in life and it's hard. 
Dying's easy. Dying's easy. Dying's part of it. Don't feel sorry for him. The person's fucking died. They were doing their job. That's fucking, that's what it is. Move on from it. Not crying and breaking down and sulking because his fucking eyes said I said something mean to him. And fucking half of them are fucking each other. And it's just, they've just fucking made a mockery of it because they don't understand strength because they're not strong because they don't live in the real world because they live in their little fucking insulated ideological paradise in the echo chamber and they bounce it off. We don't have to be fucking masculine to be fucking tough. Yeah, you you do do. Masculinity and, and strength and toughness go hand in hand. They have for thousands of years. That's how we stopped the fucking, not we because I wasn't around, but, you know, men stopped the raiders from coming over the fucking hill, kicking in your door, raping your fucking women and taking all your food. They were masculine. They were protectors. It's a real thing. Yeah, sure, there is such a thing as toxic masculinity, but all masculinity isn't toxic. Ooh, so they fucked that up, right? I'm going to go on about this too long. I'm not going to even got to get, get through the rest of the stuff I've got on my, my notes here, but I need to get this off my chest. And and they've changed so much of the storyline. So at this point, it's not it doesn't match the books. Like we understand adapting it for the screen and making necessary changes, but these cats have gone way off field, right? So they've they've taken the greatest fantasy ever written by an absolute genius in Robert Jordan who had so many plots and subplots and characters and smaller characters and lesser characters and he's planning three, four books in advance when he sets certain things up in one book. His mind maps must have been absolutely insane and they've taken this storyline, these showrunners, these these screenwriters whose names we've never fucking heard of because they've never fucking done anything in their life and they've decided, you know what? We're smarter than Robert Jordan. We're better writers than Robert Jordan. That's why we've done nothing with our life, and he's the greatest, greatest fantasy writer ever fucking to live. But we've, we're smarter than him. Let's fuck with the entire storyline and just change everything because we know better. And they're fucking it. And it's fucking furious. Makes It's infuriating. It's making me furious to watch. I'm rage watching it. All the shit they fuck up. The characters they just add in and drop out and make one main character fucking bad because the fucking guy that they chose for the part in, the, in season one didn't get the vaccination so they kicked him out of the fucking production team because they're a fucking bunch of cockheads and now they've got some new guy, it's a new actor who they've turned bad and haven't even used in the second season yet. And it's just... Lands out there crying every time fucking a bug gets squashed and fucking it's just they're fucking it they're fucking it and they think they're so fucking smart they took two years to release the second season which is so arrogant it was finished a year ago but they thought oh we'll just sit on it for an extra fucking year and just drag it out because we fucking know what we're doing man you just don't know what you're doing and you're ruining a classic Game of Thrones did it right. Brutal, hard, to the point, stuck to the fucking, to the books fairly closely by all accounts and had a great epic show. This one is all over the fucking place. I don't even know what's happening. So I don't know how people who don't know the show are supposed to know what's happening. And they're just running it into the ground. And it's so fucking frustrating. The actors are doing a good job. The costumes are good. The, 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 like the, the, you know, the filming and the special effects and all that sort of stuff are good. But they're fucking the show. It's really, it's really, really bothering me. So I'm rage watching that, and uh, just how everything has to be ideological these days, and everything has to be attached to someone else's fucking opinion and political point of view. It's like just make a fucking show. The show's already primed for our times, right? Because all the most powerful people in the world are women. Men can't 
use the magic. There's a couple that can, but they're not supposed to. Women use the magic. Women are the like political leaders. Women are the most powerful women people in the entire fucking world. Right, even kings cower to these other women who are the magicians that the eyes are That it's a matriarchal society already. There's women warriors and shit, main characters who are women and they're fucking badasses. Like you didn't have to fucking do anything to it. It's already a very modern fucking storyline. But they had to go further and fuck with it. It's just so annoying. These weak people trying to put their view of strength over the top of a classic story and just fucking ruining it. I think I need to speak to someone about it, eh? It's bothering me. You know, man, you look forward to certain things in life. This was one of them for me. I was really excited about it, and they're just bloody butchering it, and I've got no control over it. I'm screaming into the ether, and um, this is me just doing that. I'm just screaming into I was probably spoke for 20 minutes on the wheel of time. That's what you call fucking nerding out on a fucking on a, on a book, TV show. I'll tell you what else. Had a um, had a, a disagreement online, which I don't really engage in generally. But with um, I don't know if you know Briggs, the rapper. Um, he's like this Aboriginal fella, and he's very outspoken about his points of view, and very like he he loves bullying. Basically, very bullying driven. Like if you don't agree with him, you're an idiot. If you don't agree with him, you're a racist. If you don't agree with him, you're just fucking wrong. And he'll shame people and use that. You're racist if you don't agree with my point of view. Sort of sort of stance. And he put up this video around um, uh, around the voice and was saying exactly that. Like, if you vote no, you're racist. And it was just like, well, no. And I put up a post that said, I'm Aboriginal and I'm voting no and this is why and, and voicing my concerns about... I didn't go right into it because I've spoke about it on this podcast before and it's too long of a form to put on a fucking post, but... Essentially, as I was saying, I don't agree with your bullying tactics and shaming people. You should be able to talk to people. It doesn't make people racist just because they have a different opinion to you. Here's my opinion. I'm clearly not racist. I'm Aboriginal, and this is my opinion why I'm voting no and put it out there. And, man, the people that jump on the bandwagon going after me. And a lot of them white people telling me why it's wrong and why I'm fucking wrong and I'm an idiot and and and, and all this shit, right? And... One of the main things that kept that kept coming up was um, uh, was this idea that people were saying if if you're not if you're not indigenous and you vote no, it's racist. But if obviously if you are indigenous and you vote no, well then you can have certain reasons that make sense because you're indigenous, so you can come up with your own reasons to vote no. But if you're not indigenous and you vote no, you're racist. And I was like. Do you know how fucking stupid that is? To 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 be making the case that someone who's not indigenous can't have the same can't come to the same conclusions as someone who is indigenous about why we don't think this is a good idea without being racist. The your the ideas that lead you to a conclusion if they're the same ideas don't turn you into a racist judged based on your ethnicity. They're the same ideas. They're the same concerns. The concerns I have are that we are signing over 
essentially the consent of all Indigenous Australians to a select group of who the fuck knows who, chosen by who the fuck knows who, to represent who the fuck knows who. The the idea that they're going to be chosen by all of us, the people, and they're going to represent all the different cultural groups within the Indigenous community across fucking the entire country from Sydney and Melbourne to Perth to fucking the Northern Territory, to the outback, to the fucking rural communities, to the fucking Alice Springs and the central fucking Western Desert and far North Queensland, and to think that they all have the same agenda and the same issues and the same problems that are bothering them and they need the same things addressed, to think that you're going to choose a select group of politicians who are Indigenous who are going to speak for all those people is, in my mind, preposterous, especially when we don't know how we're choosing them and who's choosing them. Who are they going to be working for? Who's choosing them? Who's paying their fucking bills? Whose concerns are they really going to have at heart? Because money talks, right? And what I'm uh, worried about is that you say, yeah, get the voice in. And then they choose a select group of people who are playing the fucking game. Like, is 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 um, uh, Jacinta Price going to be one of them? Because she's very outspoken. She's, she speaks more towards the right wing. And she's very outspoken and, and goes against traditionally what the Indigenous... Um, you know, sort of commentators and and, and uh, sympathisers in this country would 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 want her to talk about would 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 agree with. And is it going to be people like her, or is it going to be people who are more in line with the status quo, who are going to get elected in, paid by the government, and then they're going to say yes or no to certain issues around indigenous, uh, um, you know, issues out in the culture? And do you not see how can that could go wrong? Where they select them, they choose them. They pay them, and then when they want to pull a new bill through or not put a bill through, or they want to do something that affects the Indigenous communities of Australia, they can say, hey, hey, we consulted The Voice, and this group of people over here wearing nice suits who came from fucking good families living in the fucking capital cities across Australia, they said yes. They said it was a good idea. We're not racist. It's not us. The voice has said yes. Now we can stomp all over the fucking, the disenfranchised and and underrepresented and under um, uh, resourced community members of these fucking forgotten little troughs throughout outback Australia because hey man, the voice representative said it was a good idea and and good luck getting if you do get fucking. How many people are going to be on it? I don't know. Is it going to be 15? I don't know. Let's say it's 50. Probably it's worse the more you get on there. Who, where are they coming from and how are you going to get them to all agree on on, on the fucking big issues, right? It's it's It doesn't make any sense. Not saying that the, that it, at some level it's not a good idea if done right. I'm saying we don't have enough information to know it's going to be done right. Do you know what I mean? It's not a lot of that's Jacinta Price's problem with the whole thing as well. She's saying, it's, it's, Where's all the information? Where's all the fine print? We don't know exactly what you're proposing. And we're going to say yes and change the constitution. And then you're going to go, Ha ha, got you now. We can do whatever the fuck we want because this group of people over here said so. They're in our pocket. But hey, we fucking, we've ticked the box and you guys all fucking voted for it. So sit down and shut the fuck up. And it seems to me like people aren't thinking about that. They're just thinking, got to say yes because it's giving Aboriginal people a voice and if I'm not racist, I'm going to say yes. And Briggs said I'm a racist if I say no, so I won't say no because I don't want people looking at me thinking I'm a racist. Fuck's sake. Stop. 
Take a step back. Take a breath. Don't worry about what some fucking rapper who thinks he's fucking smarter than he is fucking says about it. He doesn't fucking know. He just hasn't stopped and thought about it. He just likes to fucking look like he knows what he's talking about and be smarter than other people. He's a racist as well, by the way. He's racist towards fucking white people. And this is the same guy who is anti-government and anti-fucking white people and anti-establishment when it fucking suits him. And then... As soon as COVID hit and the government's telling anyone to take a fucking vaccination, he launched the Protect Nan campaign where he goes out shaming and bullying people on his social media into getting the vaccination, saying you're a dickhead and a flog if you don't get the vaccination because you're going to kill Nan. And that was his campaign he run, shilling for the fucking government to get the vaccination, something that he knew and we knew and they knew nothing a fucking about. But the government said it was safe. So hang on, all of a sudden white people... The government are telling you something's good, something's safe. You have to do something. So you shill for them and fucking shame and bully people into getting the vaccination so they don't kill Nan. And then all of a sudden when the, the tide turns and now you want to fucking act like Mr. Fucking Anti-Establishment and I don't fucking trust the government or we need our own fucking voice in Parliament. Mate, you don't know who the fuck you are. You don't know what side of the fucking coin you're on. You just like to be a contrarian. This is the same guy that has the song fucking about changing the date of Australia Day. The date's changing. Well, the date hasn't changed for one, fuckhead. And again, other Aboriginal people like myself who are able to step back from the fucking emotion, the emotional front line and look at the situation on a larger scale can look at it and go, hang on, why the fuck do we change the date? The date is a date. It is a day that's already represented in the community. Why don't we change the conversation around the date? How about that? Am I racist if I think there's a better way to deal with the situation? That's what he's telling everyone. You're racist if you don't want to change Australia Day. Fuck you, Briggs. Fuck you and your fucking be all, end all. I am fucking a god of every fucking racial fucking discussion. And if you don't agree with me, you're racist. Scaring and shaming other fucking white people into just saying yes to whatever you fucking say because you got a social media presence and then no one wants to be tarred with the racist fucking brush. There's, it's more nuanced than that. We can look at things from both sides of the fucking coin and we can have discussions about them. So fuck Briggs. Fuck his narrow-minded, fucking everyone's a racist if they don't agree with me point of view, and fuck bullying and shaming people into thinking the same way that you think. If you guys disagree with me, that's fine. Good. That's what we're supposed to fucking disagree and have conversations. And if I offend you because I'm fucking saying something off the cuff or I'm, you know, giving shit to fucking BHP employees for taking their kids on site, fucking sell their kids' souls to the fucking devil, I'm only fucking around. I'm just having a laugh. It's half tongue in cheek. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. We'll have a discussion about it. But you don't shame and fucking bully people into thinking the, the way you want them to think and using like golden words like racism pointing a big dirty finger at someone publicly and going, racist! He didn't think the same way I thought. He's a racist. It's like, fuck you, man. That's called segregation. That's, that's how you fucking keep cultural fucking barriers and rifts alive more than ever. And that's the thing about the left as well. And I'm not a right-wing sort of guy, mate. I would, I would see myself very much as a centralist, down the middle, a lot of the times I agree with the left-wing politics. A lot of times I agree with the right-wing politics. Not so much interested in the extremes of either. I'm down the middle and swerve from side to side on different issues because I think that's how people actually work. We're nuanced, right? We can have, like, was it cognizant dissonance, I think it's called, where you can, like, hold several thoughts in your head at one time, sometimes opposing thoughts. Yeah, I'm able to do that even if I can't say the fucking word properly. 
So I'm not either side, right? I'm down the middle and I fucking swerve around depending on the issue and the topic and depends on how it's explained to me and sold to me, right? But the the left seem to be the ones who are keeping racism and the, the whole race debate like alive and well and at the forefront and in everybody's fucking face, man. It's like all they can talk about is race and sex and gender and it's like... For fuck's sake, man, like, you guys are drawing the lines and telling people which fucking lane to walk in when we're talking about inclusion and we're talking about trying to make everybody, you know, uh, more aligned. We all want to try and understand other people and be more empathetic and sympathetic and, and break down barriers, yet you cunts are putting up fucking barriers and saying, you're in that lane, you're in that lane, you're in that lane. If you disagree with this point of view, you can't come into this lane. You're one of them people in that lane and they're racist. Or they're fucking homophobic or they're anti-trans. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not that black and white. Things are nuanced. People can be confused without being full of hate. People can ask questions and have debates about things, especially things that are new or even made up, like fucking gender politics. So, you know, man, I don't know what the deal is. It seems like the government have clocked on to this as well because... Back in the day, the left-wing uh, politics, lefties, were like the rebels. They were the ones that pushed for change, and we fucking needed that, you know, in the strict days of the 50s and the 60s, and the hippies came about. Now, that was like left-wing politics, and they took all the drugs and made all the good music and art fucking changed the world, and they fucking broke down barriers, and we're in a much better place now because of it, right? And then it's like government cottoned on to it and went, ooh, we agree with you. Everything you say is correct. Yes, there is 72 different genders. Yes, fucking race is the most important thing in the fucking world. Yes, fucking children should be able to fucking, you know, fucking trans, uh, 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 whatever you fucking call it, transition to a different gender, even if their fucking parents aren't on board with it. Yes, this, yes, that. And all of a sudden, the rebels and the fucking people who are supposed to be breaking down these narratives are like, oh, okay, we have not only does the government agree with us, so we're not rebels anymore, but we have the power. And now they're walking around with this big fucking stick, whacking everyone with it. And the tables have turned, and the right-wing people who are always rigid and conservative, and you follow the law, and you do this, and you save your money, and you go to church, and you fucking don't do anything, fucking don't put anything in your nose, and you don't dye your hair, and all of a sudden these dudes are now the fucking rebels. And they're like breaking down barriers and like, no... Fucking boys are boys and girls are girls. And we're like, you're crazy. They're fucking bigots. And they're like, they're like, I don't want to fucking make laws based on people's race. And they're like, you're racist. And you're like, what the fuck? Can't we all just get along? It's fucking crazy, man. It's like the right wing are now like the Rage Against the Machine dudes. And they were like the system before. And the left wing, who were always the fucking rebels, are like, the fucking government's on our side. And the fucking everything, every crazy idea that the extreme left has is like fucking backed up by politics and policy and shit now. Fucking insane, man. So it's funny because like you got these dudes like um, Anthony Oliver. So I don't know if you guys have heard Anthony Oliver. I'm going to play a little bit of his track for you because he's like got this, he's a country dude from like, Nebraska, not Nebraska, uh, West Virginia. And he wrote this song, wrote, wrote a few songs and, and just posted them like off his iPhone on his social media and this one song. 
like went massively viral and became a, 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 a huge overnight success, right? And he's now turning down money and record deals and all this sort of shit. But it's like an anthem for people who are sick of all the bullshit. And if you haven't heard it, I'm going to play a little bit of it now. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Dudes like that are kicking off these songs now. Um, like that went massively viral. It's just him and a guitar, man. Check out the whole song. He's, he's calls himself Oliver Anthony Music. That's Rich Men, North of Richmond. Absolutely love the song. So much soul. And it's just about the corruptness and people being beat down and the normal fucking average working man, the average man, being sick of the shit. Man, like we're just trying our fucking best and we're getting dirt kicked in our fucking faces. And fucking, yeah, man, it, it, that's starting to really, really resonate with people. And I, for one, and, and it, that, that, that I see, you know, uh, it gives me a lot of hope because the world is going fucking weird. The world has gone fucking crazy. There's all this shit coming up in the future about AI and fucking... We don't know what's real and, and, and autonomy being taken away from us, lockdowns, you got Bill Gates out there, he's already, if you've seen that clip circling around, he's already talking about the next pandemic smirk and how there's going to be more lockdowns and people are going to have to get used to it and he's trying to fucking force the whole world to eat bugs, buying up swaths of fucking land that he's going to farm on and wondering, and we're not wondering, thinking that there's a conflict of interest there, him and Klaus Schwab talking about the Great Reset, all these elites at the World Economic Forum trying to decide how they're going to fucking... Rule the world in the future, the futuristic world. And if you don't, if you think that's a conspiracy theory, you're just not paying attention. There's power. The world is built on power. Less and less, it's going to be armies and warfare. It's going to be economic control. Who's going to have control of the technologies and who's going to have control of the currencies and the way that people fucking are able to live their life, the way they're going to operate freely. They're talking about. And at the World World Economic Forum, this is one of the things they speak about, and Bill Gates has spoken about this, and they talk about these centralised digital currencies, so money that your government controls. So you have money like on your phone, like a like cryptocurrency, but the government control it. And if they don't like what you're doing, or they don't like your points of view, and they don't like your opinions, there's nothing stopping them from freezing your bank account. I mean, they can do that anyway, which is pretty scary, but you can actually have cash and whatever and other investments they can't touch. But... 
And if you don't think that's possible, look what happened in Canada when the truckers had the riots. The truckers, not riots, sorry, protests. The truckers stopped bringing fucking hauling goods across the country in, in protest of the, the lockdowns and shit in, in Canada. And they, not only do they freeze the bank accounts of the truckers involved in these protests, peaceful legal protests, which has been a part of the, again, staple of the left for fucking decades, they froze the bank accounts and then they froze the bank accounts and the GoFundMe account of people who set up the GoFundMe account to give money to the to the, the truckers. They froze people's bank accounts in Canada. Like that's some serious dictatorship, like fucking Orwellian fucking dystopian future, like scary shit. And you want those people to have control of the currency and you want those people to tell you what food to eat? I mean, I don't try to go too far down the down the rabbit hole of like food and how that, how that ties into the whole thing. But just, you know, far out, man. Like if you th- don't think that our declining health as a species is directly related to the food and medicine that we take, tell me what the fuck else has changed in the last 50 years. Our diet and the medications that we ch- change, which are both controlled by big corporations, are killing us. And it's something we can change for ourselves. And again, if you can fix your own problem, that's not a good business decision for, for, for corporations and it's also not a good control mechanism for governments. So just think about why they would want to control those things. I'm not going to go down that fucking rabbit hole because I'm already 54 minutes in. That's for another fucking podcast, another day. But mate, I'm going to close out while I'm on the country theme with a couple of other fucking songs just to try and soften the edge of this big rant I've fucking done. <laughs> And gonna go out with a couple of other country tracks, dudes I've been listening to lately, um, in the spirit of of country music, which is a lot of what I listen to these days. To be fair, um, I'm gonna go out with a little bit of um, Chris Stapleton, and I love this dude, man. He's got so many classic, like country rock ballads. He's got like country rock, blues, soul, all mixed into his music. It's hard to choose one, so I'll play one of his newest tracks. And I like this one. I, I consider this one to be like, uh, I was thinking about it when I was listening to it the other day, and it's like, it doesn't sound like a Bon Jovi song, but it's got the same essence of like a 90s Bon Jovi rock ballad, like big epic, singing about love and big vocals, and like it's like Bon Jovi-esque, but in Chris Stapleton's style. So let me let me pull this one up for you. Um, it's the kind of shit I've been listening to. A lot of lately. Where is it?
love that shit, man. Love it. I had to cut it off before the big, the big guitar solo because I know time was getting away from us there on that one. But um, love it, man. Do you see what I mean? But it's like an epic, like a big rock ballad, epic, big big guitar lines and just ah, so much fucking power. And he's got the best voice, dude. The dude's written so many songs too. He was like a paid songwriter before he joined bands and then got into successful bands and then became a solo artist as he is now. Well, he's got a band, but he's like, he's Chris Stapleton and the band. So... Dude, man, I'm loving that shit, loving that shit lately. Um, <clears throat> and I think I spoke to you guys the other week about um, some of the music I'm listening to, Coulter Wall. I think I brought Coulter Wall up. So if you're wondering, I'm wondering what song I should play. I know what song I'm going to play. This is different. Not a big epic type of guy like that at all. This is like really, he's like this really cool, deep, Crazy kind of voice a bit on him. He's only a young cat, but he sounds like an old man. I think I've told you about that. He sounds like Johnny Cash reincarnated, sort of that vibe. And I won't play one of his big songs. I'll play for me with this guy. It's like the tone and the timing and and the storytelling. Man, he tells these stories that I'm just gonna find the song I want. He's just got such a great story, which is part of country music sort of history, you know. But um, where is it? Big, big iron. Big iron. Where are you? This is a great story about a an outlaw. So you might not like this one, but I, I dig it. The town of our field, old stranger wouldn't finally Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say No one there to ask his business, no one there to make a slip Stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip It was early in Outside, slowly looking all around. He's an outlaw, loose and running. Came a whisper from each lip, and he's here to do some business with the big iron on his hip. The big iron on his hip. In this town, and live an outlaw by the name of Texas Red. Many men had tried to take him and left many men were dead. He was vicious and a killer, though a youth of 24. And the notches on his pistol numbered one and nineteen more. One and nineteen more. Now the strangers started talking, made it plain, folks around. To wall, there's a little bit of a taste for you, and I know that I said he was uh, uh, Johnny Cash esque. That's not really the song that would give you that vibe. If you go listen to Kate McCannon, boy, that's a 
that's a good song, and that's uh, that'll give you the taste of what I'm talking about. Very, very Johnny Cash vibes on that song. But you can hear his voice, cool, deep voice, storyteller. That's more of an upbeat track for him. But he's just, he's only a young man, a cat, and he's right. He writes these amazing stories, and um, just love it. Bloody well, love it. Look, man, I got a boost. I'm sure you guys do too. That's an hour. Bit of a longer one for me of recent times. It was just on one. It was just bloody well on it. Look, I didn't give you a podcast last week, so you can double it up this week. I reckon you got your money's worth, considering that it was free. You definitely got your money's worth. Um, but yeah, bit of a rant. Got a little bit off my chest. We nerded out on the wheel of time. We uh, spoke about politics and my head-to-head collision with uh, rapper uh, and social media influencer Briggs. Um, yeah, we covered a few few different topics. That was a good, uh, good chat. Good chat. I feel better. Got a few things off my chest. Um, I'll try and bring the same intensity next week. Make sure I've got plenty of things to talk about. Do my homework throughout the week. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. Hey, if you liked it, if you liked what I said, if you think what I said was something that uh, was interesting and other people would benefit from hearing or would just enjoy hearing, fucking get them on the podcast. Tell them to go listen. Tell them, hey, there's this fella. He's got a podcast. He's talking about shit. He's making sense. You might like what he's saying. Go listen to the podcast. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Click, follow, click, like, whatever. Get the word out. Help get the word out. Do your bit. I'm doing my bit. You do your bit. Right, eh? All right, man. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um... I've said enough. I've said it all. I've said it all. I'm a bit exhausted. Ranting, ranting will do that to you. So, uh, episode number 162 Closed Eyes. Not these motherfucking eyes. Not these eyes. Closed Eyes, motherfuckers. 162 uh, episode, episode 162. Should I say that again? Should I say episode 162 again? I said it fucking five times. Anyway, that's me done over and out. Peace.